All right, thank you for being here. What a tremendous, tremendous song. And to us, this is a, a special day. It's a, we, your friends have invited you. It's, uh, churches have church, church every Sunday, but certain days stand out where they're just special days and we invite friends. And the song she sang, There Is Hope. By the way, there is hope in Christ. I've heard it say that, you know, you can live without a lot of things. There's one thing that a person cannot live without. And that is hope. And I was invited to church on a special Sunday uh, when I was in high school by a friend. And on that day I came and my life was changed on that day and I found hope. And so if you don't know the Lord or you're not used to church, understand this. Jesus Christ isn't just a historical figure that we, we know some facts about. He is a living Savior who can do great things in your life. So, well, Pastor, I just came to church and, and, you know, my friend invited me and I have things going on in my life that, that I have to deal with. There's hope. And that hope is in Jesus Christ. And I do want to thank you for being here. We're going to look <coughs> at this story here uh, this morning. And I want to just point out a couple things as we, we look at it. You know, some people... Um, some people talk a good game. You ever met somebody, they, they're, if you, you know, no matter what it is, they're the greatest at this or they're the greatest at that. How many of you know someone like that? Remember when I was in grade school, uh, one of my best friends was the toughest guy in my grade school. You know how I knew? He told me. <laughs> over and over he said, listen, I am the toughest guy. And I'm like, cool, my friend is the toughest guy. And one of these days I'm going to need him. And I remember one time, him and I went to a park. It was a park over off of, um, <coughs> I believe it was Candlewood. And we're playing basketball, and we left, and these two guys came up, and one guy wanted to fight. And he was just talking trash and like, I'm going to fight. And I'm like, this is great. I'm finally going to get to see my buddy Mike fight. And the guy goes, come on, let's go. And Mike looked, after, looked over at me and said, there you go. Like, what happened here? I had to do his dirty work. Well, <laughs> talk can be cheap depending on who says it, right? Actions speak louder than words. <clears throat> the ultimate example of somebody whose talk was not cheap is Jesus Christ. If he said something, it was true. If he said something, he'd fulfill it. If he said something, it was going to happen. In the text that we read this morning, uh, two of Jesus' disciples, the verses before we read, had asked a question. Really, what, basically what they said is like, look, when you're in your kingdom, we want to be, be your top two guys in authority structure after you. Well, that did not go over very well with the rest of the disciples. And Jesus didn't promise them that that was going to happen. But instead, he used this as an example to share a principle with him. In verse 43, he says, but whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. In other words, he's teaching them that <coughs> greatness is not in a position. Greatness is in serving other people. Not being the big shot, but helping people. By the way, we don't think that way in our society. We want to have, you know, we want to have the top billing and all this thing. And Jesus said, that's not how it works in the spiritual kingdom. And then he tells that he is going to be the example of that. In verse 45, he goes, For even the Son of Man, speaking of himself, came not to be ministered to. In other words, he didn't come to be served. 
It says, but to minister or to serve. And here's the big thing, to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus Christ came to this earth so that he could serve mankind. You say, what's the big deal about that? Think of it this way. The creator, God, came to this earth in the form of a, of a man to serve his creation. That's an incredible thought if you think about it. But he came to do more. He also said, I came to sacrifice, to give my life a ransom for, for many. He didn't come for his own life. He really came for death, right? There's a song we sing uh, um, around Christmas time, probably the next month. Somebody will sing it as a special here. You know, born to die upon Calvary. That's why he came. Jesus Christ came to die. And so he made these promises. And I'm going to see how that plays out in this story that comes right after that. Understand that Jesus will back up what he says. Jesus is the only person whose word can be trusted and he always backs it up in his actions. He's going to see that, a little bit of this, as he demonstrates his service and ultimately that he would sacrifice himself for mankind in this story. This is a story of a man named Bartimaeus who was blind and he is healed by the Lord Jesus Christ. As we look at this story, it is really played out in six parts, and I want to give them to you briefly this morning. First of all, I want you to notice this man. Look at verse 46 of Mark chapter number 10. And he says, and they came to, and they came, <coughs> excuse me, and they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timoth, Timothus, set by the high, highway side begging. And when, they heard, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. This man, Bartimaeus, has a serious problem. He is blind. And he hears that Jesus is traveling through this area. Somehow he had heard about Christ and he had heard about who he was. And by the way, it's very interesting that he knew who he was because he called him uh, uh, the son of David. That's the name given to him in prophecy in the Old Testament as to the fact that he would be the Messiah, the coming king. And so he hears that he is coming and he immediately switches gears from begging. Here he is on the side of the road. He has no job. He has, no, he has none of that. And he's begging to take care of his needs. And he hears that Jesus comes and he quits thinking about begging and he starts to focus on his blindness. He understands that someone is coming that can do something about it. <clears throat> Disability in our time is a huge problem, but in their time it was a worse problem. Basically fending from himself, he had no future, he could not support his family, or what, all the different things. It was a big deal to him. But when he heard that Jesus was coming, he starts to have hope. The point is for all of us is this, all of us have problems, Right? Someone has said you are either uh, going into a problem, you are either in a problem, or you are coming out of a problem. Yep. problem. Whether you're a Christian or not, whether you ever have went to church or not, 
Problems are just a part of life. The thing is, how are we going to handle them? It's harder when we try to handle them on our, on our own. What do we do when we have problems? I have noticed that a lot of times people get comfortable with their problems. Have you ever noticed that? I, I try to be an optimist, right? I meet with people and people come in and, hey, pastor, I'm having a problem. Pray for me. And any scriptural things that can help with that? And, and I'm like, look, I'm a pastor. I'm an optimist. I believe the song. I believe there's hope. And I believe God can do things in these type of things. And sometimes people have gotten so comfortable in their problems, it's almost like they just, they're just resolved that that's how life is going to be. And can I just tell you this? It doesn't have to be that way. Why would we settle for something that is less than what God has given to us? And I understand. We all, you know, if <coughs> some people <coughs> have a high tolerance for pain, right? How many understand that? You know how you get a high tolerance for pain? You go through pain. It's like, you know, oh, I could never do that. And you get sick or you break something or something happens and you're forced to go through it. It's like you just, you do it. And you know what I found? Problems are like that. People can just get this tolerance for it and to the point where they're not willing to look, is there something that will give me something better in life? Don't get comfortable with your problems. We get used to all of the turmoil, so we don't want to see a solution. Sometimes we just get to the point where all we want to do is complain about what's going on. I'm convinced that I've met people that they almost enjoy complaining about their problems, right? And I'm not saying, hey, some of you are going through things. I'm like, man, if I was going through that, I'd probably complain too. But not to the point where I wouldn't want to get help. There's a better solution. This man didn't just sit comfortably by. This man didn't complain. <coughs> but sometimes when we have problems, we do something else. By our wrong decisions, we complicate them. There's a verse in Proverbs that says, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. In fact, that verse is so important, it's, it's, it's mentioned verbatim twice in Proverbs. Because sometimes we think, I got this answer. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just man up, and I'm all for manning up. But, but you can't just like, I'll just bulldoze my way through this, and I'll just make these decisions because something has to be done, and we're not thinking from God's perspective. We're not thinking from the help of the Savior, and we complicate matters. Here's a phrase I've heard, and every time I hear it, I cringe. I've heard people say, well, I just had to do something. How many ever heard that? As if just making a bad decision is better than not making any decision. But the whole point is we're all going to have problems. This man had a problem. And you know what he said? I know somebody who's coming my way. I've heard of him. I know who he is. And I think he can help me. And I want to get to him. So that's the man. He wants to help. But notice, secondly, the many. Look at verse 48. Here he is, and he's trying to talk to Jesus. Verse 48, and many charged him that he should hold his peace. <clears throat> you know what that means? Everybody was saying, hey, be quiet. S stop. Stop yelling out to Jesus. Don't bother him. I kind of like this guy, right? <laughs> Look at the next phrase. But he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. He's like, ain't stopping me. 
right? You know, one of the things that, that, that gets to us sometimes when we're trying to, to, to get to the right place is people will discourage us. People will push us in the wrong direction. And then we get a mentality that things just can't get better. I remember years ago, I read a cartoon. <coughs> I don't even know if it's out anymore. Ziggy. Anybody ever hear Ziggy? And, and he's going through a problem, and he's like, you know, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And his friend looked at him and said, yeah, but when the tough gets going, the going gets tougher. Isn't that how we think about life sometimes? Like, I just, I'm trying to do something, and I'm trying to go better, and there's everybody that's willing to throw water on your fire. There's always people there to tell you, hey, you can't do it, this isn't going to work, but let me just tell you something. Don't focus on people like that. And by the way, you know what's good about having a church family? There's people that says, you know what, you can do it. You know what, you can get help. Having good godly friends that you're going through a problem and they'll stand there with you and they will pray with you and they will be by your side and they will help you. You say, well, I'm my own man. I don't want help. That's a bad place to be. Oh, this is America. I'm a self-made man. You're going to be a mess. Right? It just doesn't work that way. But people will discourage you. People will get you down. Well, you know, I got, when I got saved and, and my life was a wreck, my dad didn't quite understand what was going on in my life. Now, when I was a train wreck over here, he's like, man, what are you doing? It's like, I don't know. It's like, always getting in trouble and all this stuff. I'm like, okay. And then I changed. I started doing better. He's like, what are you doing? You're too far over on this side of the scale. And I'm like, I don't know how to help you, but if you have to choose that, it's better if I'm over here than if I'm over there. My mom looked around like, what is going, I remember I went to church for a while and the pastor's wife came by and she goes, I don't know what's going on with this kid. I mean, he's changed his room. He's actually home at night. Okay? God can do great things. Don't let people hold you back. And I'm not saying people are, are, are trying to do it on purpose. They just don't get it. Okay? And so don't let people discourage you. By the way, you say, well, <coughs> I've tried this. Thing. I've tried to fix this problem in my life, but we'll, we'll, we'll comfort ourselves by blaming other people. It's because of them that I'm at this place in life. People can only affect where you're at. Now, listen to me. This is important. Pe Nothing else I was saying was important. But people will only hold you back in life. Here's the key. If you let them. Right? Isn't that how it happens? I mean, they're just like, you know, it's like, well, you know, this person's discouraging me, so I can't do it. It's like, hey, they don't understand it. Just don't listen. Let it go in this year and come back out that year. But let's not let people let us down. The people were telling them, you can't do it. Not going to happen. But I like the third person in this story, the Messiah. Look at verse 48. <coughs> and Jesus, <coughs> excuse me, and Jesus stood still. Here he is with this crowd. And commanded him to be called. He goes, go get him. Here's all these people saying, hey, be quiet. And he's like, I ain't being quiet. I'm yelling louder. He's like, hey, go get him. Call him to come to me. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, be of good comfort. Arise, he calleth thee. Says, hey, you know what? <clears throat> be encouraged. He wants to see you. And he, casting away his garment, arose and came to Jesus. He's like, took what he had and just threw it. I'm on my way to the Lord. Here I go. In verse 51, and Jesus answered and said unto him, 
Wilt thou that, what wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. You know what happened? Because he didn't give up, <coughs> because he didn't listen to the crowd, because he was determined to meet Jesus, he got it. I mean, the Lord called for him. He was so glad he, he threw his garment away. You know, sometimes we don't understand <coughs> how much God really wants to be a part of our life. We really don't understand how much Jesus wants to work in our life. He wants to, he wants to do great things. And he is not limited by anything. You know what he's, he's limited by one thing. Your desire and willingness to let him work in your life. That's it. He's got all power. He can do great things. But we have to be willing to believe that he can. See, Jesus didn't say, hey, Jesus knew, by the way, what was going on. When Jesus called him, he goes, and by the way, Jesus knew what he wanted. But Jesus wanted to hear his faith. He says, hey, what do you want me to do? He wanted to see, and he wanted everybody to hear this man's faith. And you know what the man said? That I can get my sight back. That statement showed that he truly believed that Jesus could give him his sight back. And that's why he got it back. Sometimes we don't believe that God could really work in our lives. Sometimes we'll take our problems, instead of bringing them to the Lord, believing he could do something with those problems, we hang on to them. Or we'll tell somebody else. Or we'll go to somebody else and listen to their solution, right? Or run to YouTube or listen to someone on the rail. Well, they said this. That's fine. But it doesn't have God on it. Is it spiritual insight? And so the Lord says, I, I, he called him and said, do you want this? What do you want? And what happened? Because he came to him and he was willing to believe in him. We see the miracle in verse 52. He says, and immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. You know, it's amazing sometimes we, we read a story in the Bible and we really don't comprehend all that was in that. Oh, great. Hey, the guy got healed and, and you know, he can see now and he's following Jesus. Yay. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What does that mean? Regaining his sight mean this. It changed his family's relationship. I mean, he probably had never seen them. There was only so much he could do for them. He couldn't be much of a help. He was saddled with this. And, and back then, a disability was a serious disability. And here he is. He couldn't be much of a vital part of it. They had to provide. He was just there. Yes, he went and begged. I get all that. But there was not much he could do to help his family, how effective could he be in refilling? And, and God, God understood, but how effective could he be in fulfilling his responsibilities? Jesus comes to do that for us as well. See, sometimes we walk in spiritual blindness. Sometimes we're, we're trying to have our marriages based on things we've heard that may not necessarily be scriptural. Right? How many of you are married? 
Okay, marriage is not, well, I don't want to sound negative. I was going to say marriage is not easy. It's not easy. You got a guy and you have a girl. By the way, that's, that's the only delineation there. Let's just, let's just be you. You have a guy and you have a girl and they're living together. Okay, give and take. You got to work some things out. But I know this. If you're not spiritual, you may not see it correctly. Well, you know, I still want to hang out with my buddies. Grow up. You got married, man. Snap out of it. Sorry, that's bleeding through. Let me just back away for a minute. You wanted to be single, you should have stayed single. Amen? Well, my buddies want me to go out. Just, no. But, but it, it just opens our eyes. You know what? We can have better marriage. We can have better children. We, don't, we just don't hand them over to an iPad, okay? We're, we're a part of their life. You know, sometimes we do things like, well, I know I don't spend time with them, but, you know, I'm doing this for them. Listen, believe it or not, the kids would rather have you. But we see things correctly. By the way, it changed his future. Now he no longer needed to be cared for. He could care for others. He no longer had to beg. He could go out and do something profitable. He could find a career. You know a great thing about Jesus? He gives us a future. Man, I, I was so confused as a young person about my future. I was just living for the moment, <coughs> doing my own thing. And then when I became a Christian, I started living for God. I started seeing the future from a different perspective. You know, I'm like, man, I'm going to get married someday. I want to have a Christian wife. I want to have a Christian family. I want to have a purpose in life that's outside of myself. Jesus changes all of that. You say, but pastor, right now in my life, you know, things are a little bit clouded. That can be changed. Things can get better. And it's very important. You know, the greatest miracle of all is what Jesus does in changing people's lives. Remember, <coughs> if you're a Christian of any type, you might understand the name D.L. Moody. He was an evangelist through the, the late 1800s. He preached worldwide campaigns, and uh, lots of people came to know Jesus through him. And there was a famous, a famous atheist during his day that wanted to debate with him. Let's have a big public debate. And, and Moody didn't want to deal with it. And, and the guy kept bothering him and kept bothering him. And finally he said, fine. I will debate you only under one circumstance. Atheist is like, what is it? He goes, you go find me somebody whose life was ruined, who was an alcoholic, who was an addict, was have nothing but problems, and you taught them atheism, and it made them a better person. Go find them and bring them to me, and I will debate you. The atheist never contacted him again. It doesn't work. I know... Look, you, you, by the way, if you're new to our church, uh, let, me just, let me just tell, tell you. You look around and say, oh, you'll meet some of our church people, and they're so kind, and they're so nice, and they are. But I knew them when they walked in the door. Oh, they look so churchy. I, know. I saw them when they didn't look churchy. I saw them when they weren't churchy, right? Come on now. And by the way, how come they're like that now? I'll tell you why they're like that now. Because of Jesus Christ. And by the way, he can do the exact same thing for you. But we have to understand verse 52. We have to understand the message. Look at verse 52. 
And Jesus said unto him, go thy way. What's that next phrase? Thy faith hath made thee whole. Jesus didn't seek him out and say, hey, guess what? You're blind? I could heal that. The man had to have faith that Jesus could do that. And it was by <coughs> faith that he came to him. And by the way, it takes faith. <coughs> if we don't believe that God can do something in our lives, then guess what? He can't. But if we believe that God can do something in our lives, guess what? He can't. Because it's all about what we believe. If we don't have faith, we will not take steps. You understand that, right? Faith is when we believe God enough to actually trust and do what he says. Faith isn't like, oh, I just have this fuzzy feeling it's going to happen. It doesn't work that way. Okay, that could be the coffee. Are you with me? I have a warm, fuzzy feeling every morning. It's called caffeine. I'm not against warm, fuzzy feelings, okay? And I'm definitely not against, you know, caffeine and coffee. But, but a warm, fuzzy feeling is great, but that's a feeling. I want facts and I want faith. Why? Because those work when I don't have the feeling. I can just look, so I'm not feeling it today, but it says it in the scripture. I'm just going to run with that. I'm just going to trust that. And so we have to have faith. Do we really believe that Jesus Christ can do something in our life? Because if we do, we will wholeheartedly run to him. We will. So what do we do? <coughs> We need to have some movement. Let me read a verse in John. <coughs> Jesus said that he came to give his life a ransom for many. What was, he, what was he doing? He was coming to offer us life. But what kind of life? John 10.10 10 explains it. Let me read it to you. He says, I am come that they might have life and <coughs> that they might have it more abundantly. Now, let me ask you, when you look at your life, <coughs> would you, would you <coughs> um, describe it as being abundant? It doesn't mean you drive the nicest car. It doesn't mean you have the biggest bank account. None of that stuff has anything to do with it. But how's your life going? When you look at, and my, all of us have problems. I, you understand that. But I'm just saying, are you excited about what's going on in your life? Are you excited about what's going on in your marriage? Are you excited about what's going on in your family? Are you excited about what's going on in your career? Do you, or do you wake up every day and say, here's just another day, and I'm just working to get through the day, pay the bills, make it until I just do some type of, you know, uh, look, look, I, I don't want a life that's wrapped up in anything other than God. And, and, you know, some people, their lives are all wrapped up in their sports team. You know, and then they're only happy when their team wins. Now, I'm glad that's not me because I like the Rams and the Chargers and they both stink. Okay? I'm not giving up on them. But man, you know the phrase, wait till next year. If you're a Charger fan, it's, that's getting a little bit old. Can I say, oh, by the way, don't look at me like that because if you're a Raider fan, don't want to hear it. And if you're a 49er fan, I know you need Jesus. Come on now. Okay, let's move on quickly here. <laughs> but, but Jesus said, listen, you ought to be excited about your life. 
God is saying there's a purpose, and when you have a spiritual dynamic, you have a purpose. It's not just about today. It's about everything he offers. And so you can have an abundant life, but you have to do the first one. Here it is. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Abundant life is after you're a Christian. Life is when you become a Christian. That's what he meant when he said, I am come to give my life a ransom for many. He came to die in our place. He came to pay for our sin. You see, <coughs> I experienced the, by the way, I, and some people almost, you know, they almost make like serving God is like, you know, like going to the dentist every day, right? Like root canal 101. I, I love serving the Lord, and I don't, I don't regret a minute of it. Amen. But there was a first step. <clears throat> it was when I went to that special day. And I went to church, and I was not a Christian. And that day, <clears throat> I found life. Because I put my faith in Christ. Yep. After that, <clears throat> then the other things came. The abundant life. The change. The, the future the purpose, and all those different things. So the question is, do we have life? How do we do that? God made it very clear. See, Jesus had to give his life a ransom for many because we're all sinners. Well, you know, I'm not, I, I'm be, look, we can all find someone we're better than. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Right? But come on now. You say, I'm perfect. Let me watch you drive on the freeway. Let me see you when someone cuts in front of you at the grocery store. You know, someone's rude to you at the restaurant. <laughs> Say, how do you know those things? Because people tell me about it. I've never, you know. We're all sinners, man. We have to admit that. Jesus told us. Romans tells us we're all sinners. <clears throat> and that sin had to be paid for. Someone's got to pay for it. Now, there's something I don't like to talk about. If I could take something out of the Bible, it would be hell, but hell's real. Because God is holy and he hates sin. And so we have to pay a price. But you know what Jesus said? I've come to pay that ransom. I've come to pay that price, right? If you have a mortgage and I came and said, hey, you know what? I got extra money. I'll pay your mortgage. Don't get happy. It ain't happening. But if you want to pay mine, come see me. I'll give you the number, man. You just pay the whole thing off. We'll be happy. But you would say, thank you, especially if you did not have the means to pay it. You'd be grateful. We don't have the means to pay for our sins. That's why Jesus Christ came. He was the only one. He never sinned. When he died on that cross, he wasn't dying for himself. He was coming to give his life a ransom for many, the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate service to mankind. What do we need to do? By faith, we need to accept that. Have you ever done that? We're glad you're here this morning. Really, we are. If I had my wish, I think this is a great church. I wish you were here every week. I like it, and I hope that you like it too. Well, you work here, you have to. Uh, maybe that's why, I'm not sure. I just... I was coming here long before I worked here. But more than that, I want you to know Jesus Christ. Yep. Amen. And if you don't know him, you can know him today. Yep. 
And then you can experience all these different things we talked about, that blind Bartimaeus. Everything that happened in his life afterwards was a result of that faith that Jesus Christ could really heal him. That was it. Can we do something? Can we just bow our head and close our eyes just for a minute? We're done. I'm done. Thank you, by the way, for listening. I know, I know we've been rushing around. It's been crowded today. Thank you so much. <coughs> maybe you come here today and maybe you know the Lord. Maybe you're like, you know, Pastor, I, I know the Lord and there's some things in my life I need, I need some help with and, and I'm struggling with in my life. Let me encourage you this morning. Go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. He can help you. He really can. He can do great things in your life that you could never even imagine. When I was 18 and 17, my life was a wreck. If you would have came to me and said, you know, when you're this age, here's what's going to be going on in your life, I'd have thought you were crazy. But you know what? I'm thankful that I came to Christ. He can change your life. You don't have to go through your problems alone. You don't have to try to figure out a solution uh, all by yourself. You don't. You don't. But here's the key thing. Do you know him as your savior? Do you have that first life? Here's the question. This is the question that got me. I sat in that service and they asked me this question. Are you 100% for sure that if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven or do you have some doubt? I had doubt and I knew it. I knew I wasn't going. What about you this morning? <clears throat> With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, please no one looking around, let me ask this. Are you 100% for sure that if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven? Or do you have some doubt? If you'd say, Pastor, that's me, I'm not sure. But Pastor, would you, would you pray for me? Just raise your hand real quick. I'll see your hand and I'll, I'll pray for you. Anybody like that? Just raise your hand. Yes, I see your hands. Yes. Yes, over here. Okay, over here. Thank you. We want you to meet Jesus today. That day when I answered that question, I talked to somebody. They shared the truth of Christ with me. My life has never been the same. Let's stand together if we may. Maybe you're here and you just, <coughs> you need some help in your life. We all need it, by the way. I'm not perfect. I need to go to Jesus all the time, all the time. We're going to open the altar. If you'd like to come down here and pray, say, Lord, I need your help. Lord, I have a situation in my life or there's something going on or there's something I'm struggling with. Maybe it's something deep down inside nobody else knows, but only you know. He said, you know, Lord, I need your help and I can get through this with your help. Why don't you come?